anyway, I had to go to county lockup 30 days and I got out and my friends, like any good military friend should do, um, said, you want to like pay rent or get food? No, let's throw a party and invite whores and, and have a gangbang. Hey, welcome back to Four for the Road, everybody. I'm your Punk Rock and we got Andar and Silent with us today. How y'all gentlemen doing today? Good, good. Well, I'm excited because I think on this episode, we're going to talk about Silent getting his first trike, right? Yeah, that's what we were talking about. It was Goldwing, right? <laughs> that is not going to happen. Is there is there bylaws against a trike? No. See, there you go. There you go. No, but I'm not ready for it. <laughs> hey, so. you might not be ready for it, but your body might be. Yeah, my body probably is, but I'm not, and I'm not giving in to what my body wants. Have you have you ever had a member um, in your club that, or do you have a member in your club that rides a trike? And if so, have you ever been? Have you ridden one? What's it like? I've never been on a trike. I don't really ride in a pack that's had a trike. What's it like with a trike riding uh, club member? Um, I have only ridden in the pack one time. Uh, we we have two members um, that have trikes. Um, one is uh, is Billy Warlock. Um, is a fifty year member. Um, I have never ridden um, with him on that trike. I got to uh, imagine that <laughs> I didn't think you rode with him on the trike. Well, you know what I, I'm I, talking about. <laughs> I gotta um, imagine, in a pack, do they? I mean, they got to handle pretty much like for the most part like a normal bike, right? I mean, I, obviously there's a difference in a trike, but when you're pack riding, they're probably pretty able to keep up, right? Or they they bring up the rear yeah, or what? Yeah, it's it's definitely a newer trike. Um, the uh he's he's out of a different chapter um and so i've never and i've never ridden with him um now as our other member is out of south carolina um and he uh i have ridden it was a funeral procession actually for grub um when grub passed away um and he was in front of me so um which is just it was the order at the time um because that was the chapter um that grub had decided that he wanted up front um, or, you know, up towards the front. So, uh, but the bike handled just like any other bike that I noticed, you know what I mean? I mean, of course I've, I've never ridden one. Um, so I don't know, you know, what it takes to, to actually handle the bike. What's up? ridden one yet. God damn it. <laughs> I have not ridden one yet. But I gotta <laughs> give it to you, man. You're like 78 years old, you know, still doing it, still pushing twos. It's, you know, yeah, yeah, and actually, my, only, my, uh, my bike is are you, um, are you still riding on, on two and, and not ready for a trike? But you're blowing up, you're pushing 131 so hard that they're like spontaneously combusting. I don't think that I'm pushing it hard. I think Harley built a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and uh, well, here uh, goes our sponsorship. <laughs> no, actually, actually, they built a they built a great bike. Um, it's the emissions that's that's handcuffing them. You know, the, the California emissions, you know, they, they hit them with a, you know, multi-million dollar lawsuit um, because they were violating California emissions. That's all right. We're going to run them. They, they all know our, our you know, one of <laughs> our longest standing big bad one percenter has little ankle dogs. <laughs> the the uh, listeners will get over it. So, so with the emissions thing, what basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to to push a 131, um, but only feeding it the fuel that you would feed a 107 or a 114. 
So it's starving the motor of fuel, and of course they're melting. So yeah, I melted the whole motor. Um, but they have it. Uh, they just replaced the motor. They called me yesterday saying it was done. So um, there's some ways to to fix it, um, and that's what we're working on right now is to kind of is to make it um, make it uh, last. And I, I'll just stop it at that because so, I have because so. I have a warranty involved. <laughs> I was just going to say, so is that all covered under warranty? Like engine blows up, you take it in, they put a new one in, call you, you take it home? Correct. Ah, that's not a bad, that's not a bad deal at all. So other than, than melting the shit out of it, did you, uh, what would your review be of the 131? Uh, I, I call it my rocket ship is what I call it because it is, it, they are extremely fast. Um, and the torque is, is Torque is definitely a difference because I went from the 107 to the 131, and there's a huge difference in the torque. You know, it's it's one of those bikes that uh, when you when you let go of that clutch, you better be holding on because your ass is going to sit on the back fender if not. <laughs> you know? And I know because I did it. I did it a couple of times, forgetting that it was the 131, you know, and not my 107. Yeah, so, and, and the thing with Harley and, and the torque has always been, you know what you lose in top end speed they're known for because the torque will give you the rumble and the ability to to pull a boat i mean a good sized boat and i don't know anybody with a good sized boat so i've never been able to test that theory but if anybody's listening and like has a nice boat take your harley pull it let us know how it went <laughs> I, i'm not gonna try it so <laughs> hey if Wait, you're gonna well, do that send us pictures too yeah, yeah. I, I do have a boat, um, but I'm not. Of course, not he, has, of course he has a boat. Of course he has a boat. <laughs> yeah, the Florida, dude, who doesn't have a boat in Florida? The yeah. dude, I don't have a boat in Florida. Yeah, but you're a transplant, and you're wow. leaving. Wow, it's, did you just call me trans? Did you just assume my gender? I said you, transplant. I didn't say. Aren't what you basically in? Uh, aren't you basically in Georgia? Does that count? I'm, dude, if I sneeze, I'm in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, he's in South Georgia. <laughs> he lives in South Georgia. That's what we call it. You lived up here for like 80 years. Get off my yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, that's why I moved. <laughs> because you don't watch the Florida weather. You watch the Georgia weather. Do you, yeah. uh, do you, have, do you have an airboat, too? I feel like everybody in Florida should have an airboat. Yes, everybody in Florida should have a, either an airboat, <laughs> a boat boat, or jet skis. As well as a Harley. As well as a Harley. As well as Harley. Yeah. Yeah. That so, was, you're, I mean, down here, you're always outside. You're always outdoors. You know, you don't, it's not like up north where we're, we're confined to our houses for eight months out of the year because there's fucking nine. 13 feet of snow outside. Nine you know? months. Nine months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nine months out of the year. So th that doesn't happen to us. Is that why every northern girl I know is either pregnant or freshly birthed a baby, like right as spring hits? Why are you following so many pregnant northern girls? Because maybe I'm worried about things. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> but anyway, so this is kind of we had a break. Uh, you know, Ken was getting worried. Ken was getting worried. Everybody was in the uh, the inbox talking about when are you guys going to do another episode. When they do another episode. So we just got one done with no shame. Now we're back again here with uh, with silent one percenter. Um, I think it's always good when we when we have Silent on because we get to kind of pick his brain at the at a level that I don't think a lot of our readers, I would guess most of our readers, because you're in a very kind of specialized position. You're a national officer of a large motorcycle club. 
I don't know that a lot of our readers, um, you know, are in that can are in those shoes, obviously, but also how many have access um, to that person. And I know that there's a lot of guys that are in clubs, but I think we also have, and I don't mean this in, in a disrespectful way. I think we have a lot of readers that are tire kickers. Uh, and I guess that kind of sounds derogatory and I don't mean it that way, but like, you know, they're, they're interested in the life, but maybe learning more, um, more so than going to a party more so than maybe just hanging out with their local club. They're like, well, what else in this it's 2021, where else can I learn shit? Um, and, and I think to have the resources like you, uh, I think people love that shit. I think they eat that up and I think it's a valuable tool that, that we have to, to connect people. Uh, you know, silent one might say something that represents his views or where he's at and stuff like that <laughs> and might not be applicable to everybody's situation but either way it's it's you know it's gonna be probably a lot of universal shit um for anybody getting getting started so i think it's great that we fucking that we have this yeah i, th- I think the page is a whole um because there's there's so much knowledge and and talent and writing ability and the and then there's and then there's ken yeah, and then and then we have Ken, um, who's our media guy. Um, oh, see, he just gave me a compliment. You were trying to dig. You gave me a compliment. Yeah, I gave so, you. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. You know, every, hey, we've well, talked about this in the past. It. We've talked about it in the past where you, there's so many pixels to a picture, right? So you are one of the pixels within <laughs> a picture. Okay, I'm the dim one. <laughs> Hey, you know, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't name drop on the on the podcast. But I was talking offline earlier to Ken about all the different, um, we'll call them resources that he could potentially look at, draw from, or be a part of in this life in the club world. And you know what, Ken's got some, he's got some things in front of him. He's got some options laid out that you know he's going to be a good fit somewhere. I think you know it's better than being a fucking cast out or. Or a leper in this community. Is that the right word? A leper? Is that the thing that fucking everybody's like, scared of and shit? Yeah. All right. Anyway, so so I think, you know, he, he's got some good shit going on. And he's a good media guy. So we got that going for us. Well, you know, in, in, in addition to that is, I know you've been in a club before, Ken. But, you know, that with the knowledge that you, you already had to begin with. And then all the knowledge that you're gaining. You know, you can actually sit back and say, you know, hey, I know what's going to happen. You know, you're you're maybe watching a club and say, I'm interested in this, but I know the outcome because I've seen it, you know, or I've so heard when you're, about it. When you're hanging around that club, you can go up to the president, let him know you're ready to skip a whole bunch of steps yeah. because you're part of four for the road. And then they're going to let you do that. And then when you see the dotted eye coming. You just tell him to stop. He can't do that. You're in. You're in four for the road, and it all fuck. It'll work out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, give him your address and tell him you said it was okay. If they want to come all the way to the north, give him my address. Right? Hey, a long, you never long know. Ride. Yeah, I mean, you just let them know. Hey, just I mean, you can do it now, even even though you're in Florida. Just shoot him that text message and say, hey, go ahead and send my patches to this address. You know, I, I'm ready. I, yeah. You know, there's nothing Wait, that I don't know. I'm still waiting on my Warlocks patches, man. I don't know what the fuck. I don't. Yeah, you may have to eBay those, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you may have to eBay those because I don't think we're going to mail them to you. <laughs> well, see, I showed up at that hotel you told me to show up at, and I stood in the yellow circle, and all I got was an ass beating. So, but I, mean, I thought it was like blood in, blood out. I didn't get my patches after they finished kicking my ass. Oh, boy, here we go. 
<laughs> no, um, I know we've kind of gone over it before. Uh, and maybe maybe readers or listeners, I guess, will have forgotten because we've been gone for so long. But, you know, I think one of the things that I always like picking anybody's brain on, but especially silence, is like those initial stages um, of looking at a club, I guess, and becoming part of a club, whatever you want, whatever you want to say. Because I think you know, for myself back, you know, back when I was starting out, I think about what it was like. Um, and I think, for, like I said, for a lot of our readers, maybe they're not connected to a club right now, but they're very much interested in doing things the right way. And so I think, any, you know, and obviously any of the the guys on the page could, could speak to this, but I think the level that we have with silence is just something that that's good for um, listeners. Uh, and if not, they can go fuck themselves. No, I'm just, uh, I'm kidding. But, you know, I think one of the things, like, you know, you kind of start off as that, that friend of the club. And I mean, you know, especially like here, like, I don't want to say that we're like a, a closed off society, like in a bad way, but I think, you know, we're very much becoming a friend of the club, you know, unless you kind of already know somebody that's going to bring you around. Um, that's a different, it can be an intimidating task. I don't want to say difficult, but it can be intimidating because you kind of got to go out there to people that are probably going to initially be standoffish of you for a good long while is that is that a fair assessment no it's a very fair assessment um you know that like any club you learn so much (laughs) over time about uh about the process of how things work you know if if i was talking to a stranger you know that said he is interested in club or in club life you know first thing i would do is i would tell him google you know um, I, I know it's, it may sound crazy, but I think knowing um, as much information as you can initially is beneficial to you. You know, um, the media is not always accurate. You know, there's always three sides to every story, um, as we as we all know. Um, but at least get some sort of edu- education on the subject subject that you're interested in, you know, being in the club. Um, but it's very hard for a guy off the street um, that's not a friend or family um, because clubs have been burned so many times, you know, um, being infiltrated by the feds. You know, the feds really are the is, is the, the gang that has caused, uh, has made it so hard to get into a club. You know, because and it is not that it's illegal activity or whatever, you know, that people want to say, you know, clubs are gangs and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's but you have to protect yourself. You know, it's like it's like a um, we'll say, you know, a business, for example, you know, you go through orientation, you do sexual harassment, you do fucking safety, you do OSHA, you do, you know, you do all these courses. And it's it's not realistically, it's not for you. It's to protect the company. Well, too, and I think, you know, like you said, you know, MCs are not choir boys always, but if you think that if somebody on the outside thinks the story doesn't exist of of a club bringing in an outsider that they thought was a good person or whatever, that turns out later to be a cop, and he brings charges because you were at a clubhouse or at a party and you decided to smoke a little weed and they think that hasn't happened that very much has happened and you know i don't care what your personal opinion is for for an outside i don't care what your personal opinion is on drugs or drug use i if that's what somebody wants to do in the privacy of their home their clubhouse their their safe safe place whatever 
then do that. And and I don't want to think that if I'm going to partake in that, you might be bringing a cop around. It's not that I'm trying to orchestrate um, hits. <laughs> All right. I wasn't even that good at marksmanship. I'm just kidding. I, I was pretty good. But you, know, <laughs> you, you want that freedom and that ability to, I guess, live your life how you want to. And whether that's speeding or doing rails off a stripper, they will bring charges against you for that and and call you their friend at the same time. And that's the biggest thing that I have against why the or why I, I think that the process is as hard as it is. And the biggest thing that I have against against cops. Right. And and, you know, I wrote uh, uh, an article. Um, what was it last week? I think it was. Um, and I hoped I actually, I still hope that a lot of people go back and read it and they understand why the process is so uh, or should be as stringent um, to join a club is because you spend an ungodly amount of hours with that club, you know, and the way I worded it in there, I think, was if I'm going to die or when I die, there's a very, very big chance that I'm going to die with either my brothers or a probate, you know, on the road. And, and I would like to know that, that the person that I die with is somebody that I trusted, somebody that I knew, you know, somebody that I can trust with my family, my kids, you know, the whole situation, you know, versus this, um, this guy that wants to, he wants a fucking diamond, you know, he has it in his heart, but he don't have it on his chest. So he's going to do what it takes to get it on his fucking chest. You know, um, I don't want that. I want, I want somebody that I could truly fucking trust. And it even goes to what, what you're saying, Andars is, you know, if I'm at the clubhouse, I want to be with, I want to be with those that I can trust. I don't want to have to look over my shoulder. You know, I don't drink. I don't do any drugs, you know, so it's not that I'm scared of any of that, you know, somebody possibly seeing me smoking a joint, you know, but there may be brothers that do, you know, that they do enjoy those things. And those guys want to be comfortable in their clubhouse and in their environment, you know. And so, that's the kind of people that we choose to associate with. Like I said, I'm not knocking what somebody chooses to do or not do, but I want to associate with people that make their own choices. And yeah. I think that should be a choice that they are free to make without worrying about who I might have brought to the house. And I think that's kind of where your friend of the or starting that official friend of the club phase can be so difficult for, for an unknown, for an outsider. Right. Right. And, and it is difficult for those reasons. It's uh, it's about trust, you know, and an outsider hasn't built that trust. You have to, you have to earn it. You know, it takes time. You're not gonna, you're, you're not gonna, well, you shouldn't be. I'm not going to say you're not going to because different clubs operate differently. I can only speak for my nation. Um, you're not going to walk in on Friday night and say, oh, this is a fucking nice clubhouse. And, and I, I saw fucking, you know, uh, uh, gangland and I want to be, <laughs> be a fucking warlock, you know, and the next day there you're going to be a probate. You know, it doesn't work that way. You know, or and again, for my nation, there's other there's other clubs that I'm sure there's that will damn sure fucking sell you a patch. Hell, you can be a fucking full patch the next day. Um, but it ain't going to happen for us. So, so yeah. You know, with, with like, with like the ease of, you know, you mentioned like, like looking stuff up just for a reference point online and things like that. 
you know, also with that, a lot of clubs post um, what I call like like insignificant stuff. Like, you know, a club might not post um, a national run or something like that. But if they're going to have like a, a an open house where they kind of they maybe they don't know or, or an outside party where they know they can't control the crowd and stuff like that. And they post about it, which is probably more common now with, with Facebook and Instagram. You know, if you are somebody that's unknown to that club um, and you see that flyer and you want to attend that event, you know, like what are some things that that you can do to make a good impression, I guess? Oh, man, that that's difficult. Um, you know, I applaud him for having the balls. I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't have the balls to just pull up to an, uh, a flyer party. And I think, you know, I think, you know, if you're a legit dude and you're like, you know, fuck it, what's the worst thing they're going to do? Beat the shit out of me. <laughs> and you go in there and, and you you can introduce yourself. I think that that shows, you know, for me, I would say that shows something. Uh, you know, you can also see, you know, you can also see club guys at a bar and, and be a fucking douchebag. But yeah, if you're going to kind of go into the um, lion's den, so to speak, I guess, whatever, and, and try to introduce yourself, I, I give him credit for that. Yeah, you know, it. That's it's 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 a scenario that I've never faced. Um, I've never had anybody off the street um, just show up for a party. You know, I have now I've met plenty of people that are like, yeah, you know, I rode by your clubhouse and I saw a lot of motorcycles out there and I was going to stop. That's always that's always the the conversation. I was going to stop. you know, but I didn't know who was there and blah, you know, I mean, it's always, there's always a reason why they don't actually do it. And then it kind of breaks the ice though, with those, with, with those individuals, because, you know, I'll tell them, you know, I'll give them a, a business card and I'll say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you're going to stop, give me a call, you know, and that way when they do one day stop or, you know, they may never do it. Um, but they at least have a point of contact, you know, and then I'll meet them outside or whatever. And then, you know, kind of start the, the, the introduction or the greeting process from there, you know, um, you know, and those are, those guys are always hard, especially with me because I cannot, um, I mean, I have a hard time with, even with my own brothers, I just don't have the time to sit down and babysit you, you know? So that's the uncomfortable situation with, with me. Um, now there's other brothers that I know for a fact, they bring, they bring people to the clubhouse. Um, but again, it's people they know. Yeah. So I don't really, that you're, I mean, you're kind of asking me a question that I've never had to deal with. So Um, let me, let me, let me change it up. Like being out in public, being at a bar, a restaurant, a, a motorcycle event. What, if you can think of one legally, what is the worst interaction you've ever had with like an out, with like an out? somebody trying to introduce themselves to you to the club, not like a, um, not like a conference, you know, not like a mean interaction or, or, or a dickhead interaction, but somebody just completely fucking up, um, that introduction or that first meeting. Is there one that, that sticks out to you? Um, one that's, that happens over and over. And I, I think you, you, you really, especially in public, you try to just turn off the, uh, turn off the assholeness in you um, because uh, uh, there's a lot of people that it does. I mean, there's guys that ride, you know, 50,000 miles a year plus that don't still to this day, don't know if there's two full patches talking, don't just walk up to them. 
you know, um, and, and it happens all the time. But even club guys, you know, there's military clubs that are worse for it because everybody's your fucking brother. Um, <laughs> but, oh, but, Ken. oh, no, Ken's going to get riled up. Yeah, they just they walk up to you and go, hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, and you're engaged in a conversation with one of your brothers, you know, and, and usually it's it's a conversation that you are focusing on, you know, that you actually stop and you you turn and give your attention to this guy who who should know introductions, but obviously doesn't because he just came and interrupted so, you anyway. So you've oh, had you've had oh, oh keep it going keep it going. You've had hang on you've had full patch members and you don't have to give out of any club of a club come up while you're in conversation with one of your brothers like actual speaking conversations. And try to introduce themselves. I cut your conversation off and introduce themselves. Oh yeah, that's fucking wild. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm gonna hey, your, com- hey, your conversation looks really good, but I'm gonna stop you right there and introduce myself, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it, it, fuck Bill, I'm the president of the local hog chapter. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's the, like the Legion Riders, uh, the hog guys. Um, the absolute worst, and I really don't understand it, um, is CBMA. There, wow, he's, he's just dropping names. He's just dropping bombs on everybody. <laughs> no, no I, I'll be honest with you. CVMA is the worst, and I don't know why because CVMA is huge, you know. And and although they, you know, they claim to be an RC, right, or an MA, I'll say an MA, uh, Motorcycle Association. Um, Everything they do, they attempt to mimic an MC, right, while claiming to be an MA. Um, but what I really wish, and I and and I'm like, and I'm not beating them down. I'm actually challenging them to start learning some protocol. Yeah, I can't wait for that headline. Silent one percenter challenges entire CBMA <laughs> organization. <laughs> no, I'm really I'm challenging them. I mean, they. They want to wear patches like like MCs and one percent clubs, you know, and and a lot of them, dude, ride hard, you know. I mean, I've seen a lot of these guys in the CVMA that I'm like, why is why are they fucking with the CVMA? Why don't they step up to a fucking club? Because I mean, th- these dudes fucking put in some miles, you know. Um, but for whatever reason, they're comfortable where they are, and that's totally cool with me. I just wish that. The, the leadership within that MA would start pushing down MC protocol. That would go a long fucking ways with that, with that association. You know, I'm talking to some guys in the CVMA um, in Texas and they say, Oh, well, what's, you know, what's the point of us? Oh, now, now we're getting region. Now we're getting region specific. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the only place I really talk to them. Outside of that, I, I stay I stay away from them. Um, but they they say no. Like, why why should I learn fucking MC protocol if I'm not an MC? It's like, well, it's because you motherfuckers want to parade around like one. Oh no, it says right here we're an association. And I just I just kind of left the conversation after that. It was just well, no I don't want to beat I don't want to beat a dead horse. I know we talked about them. Last time, too, with, with No Shame. But No Shame, I will say, had a really great point that, you know, they probably are one of the largest 
motorcycle related organizations outside of hog and with that i think like like silence said you're going to have some dudes that are 100 percent stand up righteous dudes and they do and then you're going to have some turd burglars and like with any organization no matter how big or small we're only going to focus on the guy that's stealing turds out of a butthole we're never going to focus on the righteous dudes and and i'm sorry that we're guilty of it too i know i am like you know it's just the way of the world like one dude can fuck it up for your entire organization and i think that's what silent preaches a lot is that you represent an entire organization not yourself and so your weakest link represents your entire organization yes yeah, it does. You know, and but you're absolutely right. It is, I'm not bashing on CVMA um, because, like I said, they have some they have some fucking hard charging dudes. You know, they have some guys that are always on their fucking bike. You know, and it shows. It shows in the way they act. It shows in you know the the hell. You can look at their patches. You know, and be like, yeah, that's a fucker that rides. You know, I mean, we all know that. You know, that 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 bright shiny fucking patch. Versus the dingy patch, you know, it usually gets dingy for a reason, you know. Um, but you can tell in their mannerisms, you can tell in the way they act, the way they talk. You know, those are the guys that I challenge to teach these other guys some protocol. You know, it's they're not an MC, but they are playing in the MC sandbox. You know, so at least know the MC rules is what I, I guess that's my point. When you're when you're at that. Uh, that conference or whatever you do whatever kind of bullshit that you do you know what i mean but when you are in in an event and you want to walk up to guys that are wearing diamonds or three-piece patches understand their rules you know not your because your rules really don't matter at that point because you know like like uh like ken saying hey i'm an ma so it doesn't apply well that's because you're not on that level. But if you want to step up to that level and have conversations with people on that level, understand their rules. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, it kind of brings us back to to what we're talking about with friends at the clubs and hangarounds and, and stuff like that. You know, that can be a way for them to learn as a, I guess, friend, you know, to become a friend of the club from, from something like an association, or I know Ken mentioned an RC and stuff like that. Um, you know, what are some, you know, when you're going from like a friend of the club to, to like a hang around, an official hang around, what are some of the things you're looking for, uh, from that guy, from that person? Did he freeze or is he mean mugging us? I think he died. I don't <laughs> All froze. There you go. You're, He's you, back. You're back. He's going to blame us. He's going to blame us. He's going to say we froze. I'm not going to take that out. I'm just I'm, I'm leaving that in. But it was weird, man. Like, you were just sitting here like this. You weren't moving. Right? Like, obviously, the fucking computer froze. But you were just stuck like this. I was like, oh, my God. Did his fucking heart stop? What, what the fuck happened? Dad's dead. <laughs> No, it's storming down here, so I may have got a little Wi-Fi glitch. Um, so what was your what was the question again? So, so you know, like like you said, like those guys that are that are you know looking to step up and stuff like that. Let's say they've become a friend of the club. You know them a little bit. What are some things you're looking at before someone becomes like an unofficial hangaround um, for for the club? What do, what are some things you want to see from them? Well. You know, I think I'm kind of different. 
I think the hang around phase is what they're looking for from us, not the opposite. Yeah, know? I agree with that on the hang, but but they still have to be invite. You know, you still have to be invited to become that official hang around. Like, how do you? What are you looking for to know they're ready for that invite? Uh, I I basically go off of conversations. Um, you know, how long have they been? Have they been? I word it as in a supporter. Um, you go from a supporter to a hang around to a probate, you know. Um, how long have they been supporting? You know, has it been a week? Has it been a year? Has it been two years? You know, what do they really know? Do they really see how active the club life is? You know, if you if you come to the clubhouse, you know, every two or three months, I don't think you're getting a true view of how chaotic your life is about to become when you become a hangaround. You know, I, you need to be there regularly, you know, every weekend, you know, or during the week, you know, whenever things are happening, I think you need to be there. And that is kind of your opportunity to go, hey, these guys are a little bit, it, it does not really fit in my schedule. These guys are way busier than what I have time for, you know, or it's going to say, fuck yeah, this is what I want to do. You know, and before that guy becomes a hang around, conversations need to take place to see if that guy truly understands the life altering changes that are about to happen. You know, um, and if and if he understands it and he's willing to accept it, then ball means, hey, let's move forward to the hang around phase, you know, and again, that hang around phase, you know, be it six months or a year or a year and a half as a hang around. Um, gives him the opportunity again to say, hey, this is not uh, conducive to the lifestyle that I, I'm, you know, I choose to live and, or, and or he's going to get hard on and want to fucking push forward to be a probate. And people can can always disagree with me, but I've always kind of been adamant that the hang around phase is really the the only phase um because it's obviously not membership and it's certainly not probating um that is really for you the individual to decide if the club is free like the yeah and i'm not trying to like like make it like you know you should walk in there like an asshole but if ever there was a point where the club is auditioning for you it's in the hangaround phase this is your time to maybe see a little bit as much as you can uh, behind the curtain a little bit to get a sense of the pace to get a sense of what the brothers are like when they're running on a run tired partying you know a little bit more than you would see as a as a friend of the club or as a supporter uh you know that's kind of your time to make sure like you said if it fits with your schedule and i think some guys uh they push themselves and they you know even if there's alarms or or things that they don't necessarily that just doesn't fit for them in their head they -hmm. think that they have to make all the right moves for the club and i disagree like this is your one time if you get to that that prospecting phase, or if you're a member, you you're not then deciding if the club is a fit for you. You're you're doing what the club needs. Yeah, the uh, I agree 100. Um, percent You know, and just rewording it, the hang around phase is to see if the club is a fit for you. You know, it, again, I'm giving you my two cents. You know, and, and, uh, I'm not speaking from my uh, for my entire nation or for every every leader within my club. I'm only speaking for me. The hangaround phase is determined if the club is a fit for you. The probate phase, it determines if you're a fit for the club. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, um, 
And the only way, like you said, as a hang around, as a family friend supporter, you know, you're not obligated to really do anything, you know, to go to events and this and that. And really as a hang around, you're not really obligated either, but it's highly suggested because like you said, that's when that hang around gets to see how other chapters move, you know, uh, other parties, you know, gets to meet people, you know, and say, hey, you know, um, I think I'm a good fit for this or I'm not a good fit for this, you know, um, because, again, when you become a probate, you're about to get your ass kicked, you know, and all that sitting back and talking and getting to know people and all that shit, that's the stops, you know, now you're taking the trash out, you're standing on guard duty, you're washing bikes, you're, you know, you're doing whatever the fuck you're told to do. And all that happiness is gone, you know. Now you now you're in hell for a little while. So, um, so yeah, it's it's it, the hang around phase is is an extremely port, important phase. And and again, the the club at that point is 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 allowing him to determine if if he's if the club's a good fit for him. So. Yeah, I think like I, said, I think some guy, you know, they put pressure on themselves. Like they're still auditioning um, for the club, and and you know, you, obviously, you don't want to ruin your reputation. You don't want to be a fucking asshole. <laughs> anything you don't want to do anything that'll get you run off. But you know, I think guys need to know that it's okay to be like, hey, it wasn't a fit for me. Or like you said, you know, I absolutely love this shit. Um, my six months are up. Can I? Pro- <laughs> no, let's, I'm ready yeah. to probate. Let's let's do this. Exactly, exactly. And I tell them, you know, I tell hangarounds that, that uh, you know, don't be surprised if you are asked to do something, you know. You may be asked to take the garbage out or, you know, to set up a fucking table or whatever, you know, move some chairs around, you know, uh, take some beer to, you know, from one bar to the next bar, you know, or whatever. You know, you may be asked to do those things, but the primary function of a hangaround is to, is to know or get to meet people and shake people's hands and you know just kind of sit back and observe uh, observe things. Um, but you're right, there are those guys that they want to jump in and they want to they want to be a hang around and attempt to do probate duties, you know. And those guys just need to kind of sit back a little bit and and enjoy the hang around phase because the probate phase. Um, when it comes, it comes, you know, and, and those days of being able to sit back and, and, and hear stories or, you know, get to know people are gone at that point, you know, you had the opportunity and you didn't take advantage of it. So, you know, now stand out there in the fucking rain. And I think, you know, you know, obviously, yes, probating is escalated times a thousand, but you know, the, from the hangaround phase, depending on, on, you know, like you said, some of the things that you're doing and building those relationships, that can help your probating time. You're already familiar to the members. Uh, maybe they don't, you're still going to get a hard time because that's just kind of part of it. But, you know, I think guys are more concerned with your, with how you're doing when they know you. Um, you know, so can they sneak you a break? Can they, you know, get you water? I think guys are just more apt to, to take a little bit more interest in you when they've already known you. And now they see you making that, that next step and that next effort versus mm-hmm. maybe a guy that's never met you and just wants to test you all night to see, see what you're, <laughs> what you're about. Right. Right. And I, I'm that way even now, you know, uh, you know, I show up to a clubhouse and, and 99.9% 
of the time, unless I get off my bike and I have a mission that I'm instantly dealing with, I usually go and shake hands and talk to every probate before I walk into that clubhouse. Um, some guys frown upon that because, you know, they say, you know, you should, you know, address the, the boss first and your brothers first and this and that. But, you know, I kind of look at it as far as I'm going to have all night to do that. But I like I like to, to talk to the probates for the simple fact that I may not get the opportunity to do it again, you know, that night anyway, you know. Um, because, you know, there's always business to be dealt with and there's always, you know, conversations that you don't have in front of probates, you know, and stuff like that. So I like to talk to those guys first and I, and I, I, I do that, you know, Hey, did you, have you eaten yet? You know, do you got anything to drink? You know, that type of stuff. Um, and well, those I think too, like, you know, from, from my own experience, um, you know, probating and, and doing hang around duties and stuff like that, like. You remember those full patches that take a minute, even just like, you know, we think of it maybe in the, in the civilian world or whatever as, as very insignificant. But when you're dealing with men that have earned where you want to be or, or what you want, when you you know, you hold those men in high esteem. If you're doing a club for the right reasons, you're going to look at those men that have, that have earned the patch and you're going to put them in a very high regard. So when they come just to check and see if you've eaten or to say hi to you when they don't have to, you remember that. And I think that keeps you going that gives you kind of perspective or, or scope on why you want to be a part of that club and i think you know it can motivate you in the downtimes and, and it can create a good experience you know some people say that the best experience they had was you know they loved being a prospect and they had these good times well i think part of that comes from the people that they met that didn't treat them like garbage for no reason you get treated like garbage a lot and, and you remember that when you become a patch. Like, oh, I'm going to find that motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, and I'm a, oh, I'm putting the money on the bar when I find that guy. Right. And, and so, you know, especially at your level, to see a national officer take the time to go around and shake everyone's hand at a party, uh, I think it speaks volumes. Well, you know, most clubs have requirements. You know, you got to be a man. You know, you got to be a man. And, and that's actually one of our, it, I mean, it, I won't, I'm not going to go through our bylaws, but it's in it's in our bylaws. You got to be a man, you know, and you can't go up to that. I won't say ignore them even, you know, you you can't treat probates like a bitch. You know, if you treat a man like a bitch, you get a bitch. If you treat a man like a man, you get a man. If that makes sense. You know? Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm not going all gangland on it, but if a probate is on guard duty, I want him to like me. Okay. <laughs> if the shit hits the fan, I want that probate to be like, you know what? I really like that guy. I'm going to help him out. <laughs> I'm going to pull really good security because that guy's inside. All right. I don't want him to be like, you know, what? fuck these guys. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you bring that up because all clubs do it. Every fucking club there is puts probates on guard duty. You yeah. Know? Um, so essentially, <laughs> essentially you're putting the safety and security of that entire chapter or whoever is at that location you're putting that you're putting all the security on guys that have not earned the patch yet you know so yeah uh, it, and then you've got like one full patch running around who's in charge of those guys and, right. and going to different stations to, to check on them but exactly. I say, exactly. you, you're not gonna you're not going to change their diaper and burp them, but you, you know, at the same time, unnecessarily being a dickhead to them for no reason when they're entrusted with your security. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I call it, you know, and I think I've referred to it before. Um, it's called stop the child abuse. That's what I call it. Stop the child abuse. 
you know, because you were treated this way as a probate doesn't mean you need to treat your probates that way. You know, and I, and I say your probates, I mean, you know, your nation's probates. Um, you know, because you had one guy that was a royal fucking dickhead um, every time he saw you doesn't mean that you need to be a royal dickhead every time you see a probate. You know, it doesn't it doesn't make it right. You know, um, you treat the guy like a man if you expect a man when he puts that bird on his back. You know, um, and then it, just to back up what you're saying too, you know, it may be you and that newly patched in uh, uh, member to get into a situation. You know, and <laughs> are you the dickhead or are you the guy that said, hey, do you need something to drink? You know, because th that very well may determine how he reacts to the situation that you're in. Yeah, you know? I mean, like I said, I don't want, you know, if we get into a scuffle or we get into an, an accident and all of a sudden I treated that guy like shit, maybe he's not that quick to run over and, <laughs> and check on my down motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think, you know, like, like you said, you know, you're going to know when to treat a person like a man or when they need some sort of, of discipline or, or whatever the case may be. Education. Yeah. 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 We, you know, the military, we call it a wall to wall counseling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause your platoon are picked you up and threw you into one wall and then he grabbed you and threw you into the other wall. And, uh, we, uh, you know, when I was in, we were obviously like, like in the beginning, like when I first enlisted, you're probably still allowed to do some of that stuff. But by the end, everything was like a, I, an inspector general complaint or, or whatever the case would be. So I had a first sergeant uh, at my last command um, that he would make you take this rock and you'd have to go up to the outside to the fire escape and you would have to carry this, this boulder rock, whatever in your arms, run up and down the steps of the fire escape, screaming that you were a tanker because it was, we were a uh, infantry guys or an infantry company. So you, you'd have for everybody to see you are running up the stairs, um, dumb as a rock, because you're a tanker was the was the thought process behind. We're gonna get a lot of angry messages now from tankers. Look, I wasn't the first sergeant. Okay, <laughs> I had to carry that goddamn rock too. So, well, yeah. So you know, that's we had somebody I think that asked, and maybe it was an IG or something like that. Some of the correlation between our ranks, like like um, MC ranks and and military ranks and structures and stuff like that. Like, I've always thought of like the actual titles as more from like um kind of a throwback to to like um what did i call it like fraternal orders and things like that um stuff that kind of predates motorcycles and, and heavy military influence and stuff like that you had a lot of fraternal orders that had you know like like these different positions that we see in clubs today but i said i think a lot of our discipline and and how we structure our conduct uh, comes from the military. Would you say that's that's accurate or off base, or what would your thoughts be on that? No, I'd say it's per, that's pretty accurate. You know, um, yeah. I think as far as the titles, I think that's kind of a throwback to, like I said, some of those old fraternal orders where you had like a sergeant at arms that would keep the meeting in order and stuff like that. But I think how we conduct those duties, or maybe what's expected of those roles. I think Ken had a great point about what did you say, Ken? Something about how it comes from like the military influence of these different rank structures, and that's how we like I think conduct ourselves. Does that make sense, Ken? Um, uh, yeah, you're talking about the guy in the Instagram inbox, right? That's what I just fucking said. I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but how how I explained it to him is yeah, you you do have um, like 
parallels where, you know, like your president, yeah, like that'll be the commanding officer and the executive officer be the vice president, so on and so forth. Um, and you have that triangle, but once you fill out all the spots on the triangle of all your members, you flip that triangle upside down and that's the level of importance, right? Because it's the president's job to make sure that, you know, the club's running properly and that it's, it's doing right by its members and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a hodgepodge of different things that actually make up the, you know, make up the uh, the MC MC world. You know, the rules. I mean, you know, you got Robert's rules of order. At different, um, you know, different forms, different rules of society. I think we, I think over over the years we've adopted it in order to to make the MC world better. You know, a, a more organized. Um, I don't know, organized way of life, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't really know the wording that I'm looking for, but. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you have to adjust any, anything, right? Because nothing's, nothing's the same today as it was, you know, in the 40s and the 30s. And that's, I think that's kind of like one of the biggest issues I take with, uh, with some of those people that read other pages and then comment how the, how the MC world has gone to shit. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that, that you know, there are things that would be great if they could change but that's with any organization and, and anything that you do but i think guys that are usually the most vocal about like oh the you know there's no brotherhood anymore loyalty's dead or you know old school or no school i think those guys you know they weren't able to change with the times and like silence said you have to be able to adapt in order to stay relevant and to stay current. I mean, you want to take the best of your club, but you also have to be able to to progress it too. And I think guys that just come, you know talk shit about the scene are guys that couldn't move forward. Yeah, absolutely correct, man. You got to be able to trim the fat and build the muscle because you know. Are we all shit. getting fat? Are we all getting fat though? I mean, I'm getting fat. I mean, but we all knew that. I'm, I was already fat. So. Yeah, but you're fat with a pH, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Silent, silence in a text earlier about wait till something about like waiting till you're after 50, then all you do is getting fat. I was looking in the mirror like, oh, oh fuck, <laughs> I'm not even close to 50. Right? Hey, like, you're, a, you're an overachiever. <laughs> you're an overachiever. It's okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. and I think you know, uh, going back to, I think some people forget too, or not forget, or. or I don't know the influence. Like I said to that guy in the inbox, I thought it was a great question that he had. Um, people sometimes forget that the influence of motorcycle club or motorcycle clubs, you know, they started in 1901 here and, and 1900 um, in England. And there was bikes. There's been the first bike was made in like 1876. So, you know, fraternal orders, like, like, moose lodges and elks clubs and stuff like that like those were a bigger influence than like a modern day motorcycle club like i don't think that we really saw the modern era start to change for clubs until after world war ii so you're talking 1946 47 48 whatever have you the the 50s obviously everybody knows the 50s and the 60s were hugely a transformative period then the 70s etc but you know for the first like almost 50 years of motorcycle clubs it was kind of more of a sweater and organization uh, a mom and pop organization a fraternal order type thing like going to your your bowling league or your elks club i don't know if they had bowling leagues in 1930 but you get the <laughs> you get the idea like you know it was more of this kind of like organized fraternal order type thing to then you know obviously we get a huge influx of vets post-world war ii post-vietnam and it kind of brought that military 
demeanor structure to it and i think you know we're progressing who knows what fucking 2030 will look like yeah i think it changes with per generation per agenda you know if that makes sense you know there's 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 still you know guys like you andar and drifter you know are i mean it's sad to say but you're a dying breed you know, in the sense that you are fucking true diehard historians, you know, that there's, there's less and less people in this life that care about that anymore, you know? It's something I've always wondered, like, I've heard it said from, from other large clubs, and, and I certainly understand it, um, and I would love your take as much as you can give. You know, they said that, that not that they don't care about history, but they care about their club's history more. So it's not like that they're dismissing stuff that happened before them, but the only thing that's kind of relevant to them or that they're interested in is their club's history. I mean, is there is there a pro to that? Is there a con to that? Is that is that a good way of thinking, a bad way of thinking? I, I think it's up to the individual. You know, I, I sit back and, and I read, you know, because, you know, we have Telegram and shit that we're on. And, and as <laughs> well as... Telegram, <laughs> Instagram, Instagram. Oh, I meant the, our chat. Oh, oh, I thought you were fucking being funny about Instagram. No, no. <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, we have Telegram that we we constantly discuss things, you know, or y'all do mainly, you know, and then of course Facebook, and then yeah, and then yes, Instagram, you know. But I sit back in awe with the knowledge of the, of the historical events that you know that y'all can sit back and, and discuss, you know, and not like just discuss um, some brief shit, but like with actual confidence in what the fuck you're saying is what happened. You know, I don't have to jump on Google and say, is Andor full of shit? You know, I mean, when you say it, you actually say it with confidence, you know, um, because you've done the research and all. And I, went, I, I went through those 70, I went through those 70 pages of Google. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I'm just, if I'm lazy and I don't do it myself or, um, if I don't, if I don't care because it, I'm very interested in it, but I just don't take the time to learn it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of guys are. Um, yeah, they may care about the history of their own club, but even then do they truly care? You know what I mean? Can that guy sit down and actually tell you a shit ton of history in his club or can he only tell you since he's been in that club? You know, the history since he's joined. Because those two histories are not the same. You know? I mean, I have guys that can tell you uh, the history in our club from the last 10 years, you know, but they can't tell you the last 54 years. You know? So there's even then, there's still different levels of knowing the history in your own club. Um, It fascinates me. I, 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 I think the reason why they say the history in their own club is you know, maybe out of the love for their club that yeah. they, they make it a priority, um, versus all history, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, as I said, I, you know, not being in that situation, not being at their level, um, I can certainly understand it. Like that love for your club is so deep. That's the only thing you're concerned about. Like, you know, yeah. I get that for not everybody. I don't think everybody needs to have an interest in every single fucking nugget of history <laughs> right. that's out there. Right. Um, that's a lot of shit. If you have an interest in that, 
great. Like Drifter and I just happen to be nerds that, that have an interest in that. But I don't think that it's like required for somebody to be a good club guy or to be a good club brother. I think knowing your club's history is, is more important than knowing a broad spectrum of motorcycle club history. And that's just my, my opinion. I don't think that everybody has to be a scholar on every single club or everything that's ever happened in motorcycle history. I think it's more important to know your club's history. Right. I'm I'm kind of on the fence there. I think it's really important that you know your club's history, because you know that's that's the banner that you're flying or that you're that you're trying to fly, right? Um, and there's 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 a lot of pride that comes from learning that history. But at the same time, I think people should at least do the research on large events that affected the culture. So you know the how how you debunked the the one percent diamond, right? Like people should learn that. Uh, but but we still need to know what happened at Hollister. What was the outcome, and how did that affect us? And what were the actual actions that took place, and not what was blown up in the media about it? Um, you know, like with uh, with the Save the Past movement, who is that affecting? What happened? What was the outcome? And how does that affect me? Whether I'm on the other side of the country from these gentlemen or whatever, right? Because when you when you wear that patch, regardless of what club you're in, you're now part of a larger community. Even though you might be in a, in a large 1% club and you guys have that mentality is, you know, wherever I step is my nation's territory. That's cool. I'm not going to tell you how to think. I'm not going to tell you how to be in a club. But at the same time, you also have to realize that you're part of a community. And even, you know, I'm not going to go down that road, actually. But you're part of a community. That's where I'm going to stop there. So we actually... Um, speaking of being part of a community, we just had a question come in that said, yeah, I'll read it. Um, if we have enough time, we'll answer it. If we don't, um, you know, maybe we can make another show about it or something. But uh, the question says, I figured silent would probably be a good one for this one. Uh, can you recall an article or a podcast that gives uh, a talks about an explanation to the difference between traditional clubs? Um, I'm assuming they mean like like mom and pop type clubs. Um, outlaw clubs and one percenter clubs and what and what kind of like what the difference is yeah i did i think i i wrote that like four or five years ago um i I think i did oh actually i know i wrote a piece on it um that i broke down like each patch you know one piece patch two piece patch three piece patch um up to five piece patch um some clubs wear um so what do you think is like the biggest differences between like a, uh, a regular club and, you know, a, an out, what is an outlaw club? I guess, is there a difference between an outlaw club and a 1% club for, for this guy's question? Uh, usually the difference is your outlaw clubs for the, for the most part. And I'm not, and I'm not saying all clubs because it definitely doesn't apply to all, um, outlaw clubs. Um, but the majority of your outlaw clubs are 1% support clubs. On a historical aspect, too, not that I don't think that he was asking for um, for the historical aspect of it, probably more of the modern times aspect of right. it. Um, right. But I think um, I think traditionally an outlaw club was simply somebody that didn't pay AMA dues. 
And then, you know, that was a club that was outlawed from AMA events. And then it's kind of evolved from there. And then I think if you want to know kind of what is the difference between a 1% club and a traditional club or an outlaw club and stuff like that, I think, A, it's going to depend on your location. Different regions might do it differently. And then also it's going to depend on that, I think, on that one percenter. I think if you took a poll, and I'm not one, so I'm just guessing here. If you polled a hundred different one percenters from different clubs, you're probably going to get some same answers and quite a few different answers on what they view. Like they, there's some guys that are, I would say, so hardcore that they consider everything else below that a 99 club, you know, mom and pop club, whatever. And the only outlaw clubs are are them and and those diamond holders uh, like them. And but historically, it was. You know, you had the AMA, you had clubs that belonged to that, you had people that that rebelled from that or refused to be a part of it that were then outlaw clubs. And then from that, you get kind of your different patch setups and your three pieces. And, and I know Silence said, you know, now we're going up to, to five pieces and things like that. But uh, that's kind of a historical quick overview right. of it. And, and it's obviously going to be a little bit different in its considerations. Um Today, because then there's clubs that are non-AMA affiliated that would say, well, then by that standard, we're an outlaw club. Okay. By that older standard, you are um, an outlaw club. But certain one percenters might not see it that way. So, again, I think it's very much going to be, you know, that question is almost dependent on where, you, where you're at um, to how somebody might might see you. Okay. So, so- I mean, by, by, today's, by today's standards – I think that the old definition of the AMA version of what an outlaw club is maybe isn't as applicable anymore. Would that be a fair thing to say? I mean, I'm sure that there's some clubs that'll hear that and go, no, 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 we're still an outlaw club. That's fine. You can see your club however you want. I would say that for the majority of people, though, the old definition has has changed. I agree. Uh, I And I've said it a hundred times. Um, and again, my, my personal thoughts are not any sort of gospel, but in, in my opinion, you're either a 1% club or you're a 99% club. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that would agree with you. Yeah. I I mean, I mean, how are you not? I mean, you got these dumbasses claiming three percenters, you know, whatever the fuck they are there. It's a, they're a 99% club, you know, cause either you're a 1% club or you're not, Yeah. You know? And, and that's really what it comes down to. You know, there, there's nothing in between, you know. So um, now, granted, you may have you may be an outlaw club, but you're a 99 percent club. And know? I think and I think there's a lot of people that that, you know, they look at the patches. Well, it's a three piece patch setup. That means they're outlaw. And I don't necessarily agree with that. There are some very legitimate outlaw clubs that are one-piece patch, that are two-piece patches. Um, and I don't recommend telling them that they're, <laughs> that they're not an outlaw club. Um, that'll not be good for your dental bill. And, and so I think, you know, you have to kind of recognize the source. Um, you, have to, you have to have a little bit of knowledge on the clubs already to kind of make that decision because not every one- or two-piece patch is going to be a tra- 99 club. There are definitely some legit outlaw clubs. Um, and not every three-piece patch is going to be an outlaw club. Yeah. You know, the, uh, what I think what makes people come to those conclusions is their environment. You know, it's, it's truly their environment. Because you have some states, let's go with Texas, for example. You know, um, uh, Ken brought it up earlier. You know, for many, 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 many years, 
you are either a 1% club, right? That dominant club that's in Texas, or you were an affiliate to that dominant club um, with a three-piece patch, you know? So you didn't see the one-piece patch outlaw clubs or one-piece patch um, or two-piece patch diamond clubs. You didn't see that because that, I mean, that, that didn't happen within that state, you know? So what people were exposed to is what they believed to be gospel because there, there wasn't Google and, you know, uh, uh, media and all that shit like it is now, you know, where you can get more exposure and find out that, hey, there is, you know, diamond clubs out here that rock a two-piece patch, you know? Um, and I think you bring up a great point that, you know, your state can, um, your state can dictate how you see the rest of the MC world. Um, yeah. You know, Ken loves San Diego. Ken loves that shit, right? Ken, his heart is in San Diego. And that is, like he said, that is where a lot of his exposure to the MC life came from. Um, the shit, and I shouldn't say shit, because shit has a negative negative thing with it, but some of the stuff that he talks about doing, seeing, going through whatever in San Diego would blow my mind if I saw it, because in my state, that doesn't, that doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen like that. Um, and so a lot of your, how you view, like you said, traditional clubs or what clubs are, are this or that can be dictated on what you're seeing in, in your state. Yeah. Cause then he came to Florida and was like, what in the fuck is happening? Oh yeah. No, no that's because that's because he's got the most legitimate club in the world right across the street from his house. What's that? What's that club? Oh, what is it. that? The moose? The no, elk? I don't it's something I, I forget the name. It's I, I know it's a support club for a club down here. Well, you can't say it because then like you're gonna get your house shot up. So <laughs> yeah, don't say it. Well, I mean, I I've seen the guys ride. They're gonna wreck their shit before they get to the end of the block anyway. So it's not. Like I will say though, I you know what? Good for him though. Um, I have never seen uh somebody like that on that kind of bike. So you know, good for him breaking stereotypes. Right, good for him breaking stereotypes. I don't want to ride that bike, but good for him breaking breaking stereotypes. No, I mean that thing rattles rattles the shit. Like like yeah. he rides by, I was like, bro, you're like exhausted, dragging me on the ground. Like you should probably do something about that. <laughs> no, man, I'm good. Come but you know what? I feel like you know what? I feel like if you weren't the only, you know, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but you're like the only white guy in the neighborhood, and I feel like that's the only reason he won't come talk motorcycles with you. Probably. I know my neighbor across the street, he told me he didn't want to fucking talk to me because he thought I was crazy as shit because I was the only white boy in his black neighborhood. He's like, man, yeah, I, didn't yeah. I don't want to, no problem. Yeah. Like, oh, no, yeah. man. Like, why did you, you know, why did you move your guy? They either think you're a cop or a weirdo. Yeah. Then yeah, I'm definitely a weirdo, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have no idea if that I have no idea if that answered that dude's question. But if we are able to track down um, that article, I suppose we can always repost it for him too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, I don't, that's all I really that's all I really got for today. Does anybody else have anything else they want to go over? No. No. I mean, I'm just I'm just waiting for you know if you guys fucking know somebody in the Navy Medical Department, fucking hurry up and get my MRI done. Well, I mean, it's like six thirty-two. Don't you guys have like a Matlock convention or something to get to? Wow. Yeah. Um. Wow. You know, one one thing. You know, when we come on these 
you know, on these podcasts, you know, we, we, we're trying to do them and organize them or whatever, you know, and of course I'm not on it very often because punk rock doesn't like me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, you don't know how to log into Skype. It's always like, like no shame or blade or something that, you know, the guys that either talk funny or are funny. One of the two, um, cause no shame is a fucking riot, man. Um, but anyway, you know, if, if readers can, can maybe write in, you know, um, and say, Hey, you know, we'd like to hear this or we'd like to hear that. You know, I don't know if we've asked readers to do that before or not. We have, we have, I feel like we get a lot of, we get a lot of, and I'm not knocking the readers. It's good to know what they want, but we get a lot of the same topics. Um, and then we'll get some topics that are really hard to, that are very specific and hard to put into a podcast. Either they want drama. <laughs> and for most of us, that's kind of a topic we try to, you know, we acknowledge, but we try to avoid discussing because we don't want to do that type of thing here. Um, or they have a very like scenario specific question, which is like, okay, so at 6 PM in 1972, this, <laughs> this is what happened. And you're like, God, I don't know how to, I don't know how to fucking answer that. Yeah. It's right. like the dude's dead. Maybe just fucking let it go at this point. You're like, no, I want to fight yeah. his kids, but, or, or they have a very, you know, they'll be from a large or not, not even like a large club, but they'll be from maybe a, a known club and they'll have a complaint about how they got done dirty by that club. And then they'll want to talk about it in a podcast form. And I was like, we everybody's going to know what we're like. I don't even know how to, tr how to sanitize that to make it not sound like that club. Yeah. Right. So what, and I think a lot of the ones we get to is like, they'll be like, Hey, can you discuss this? And it's just like, yeah, we can, but it's going to be like a three minute show. Yeah. <laughs> like how come, how come everybody's fucking mad at me for, for walking into this clubhouse? All I'm doing is fucking walking in there with my gloves and my sunglasses on. And I don't know why nobody will talk to me. It's like, well, I think a lot of those, a lot of the questions we are, are beginner, our beginner type episode stuff that I think, um, we do a good job of covering. So maybe that's why we don't get as much different stuff. You know, guys want to, like I said, I think we get a lot of tire kickers and I, I said, not in a bad way, but just dudes seeing like what they can learn. Um, and so I think re -ish, re reiterating the basics, I think is helpful for them. Um, I think giving them, you know, especially like, like you talking about, you know, what to, Hey man, probating is going to suck, but here's the benefit that you get after that. I think, you know, they, they eat that up. I think that's good stuff for, for people to hear and to learn and to know. So I think we do a good job of covering a lot of that, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it wouldn't hurt to, uh, you know, because I've, I've watched our follower account kind of go up pretty, pretty significantly recently. It wouldn't mind. It, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of rehash that stuff, too. You know? Well, every time we every time we have silent on, though, we lose the Legion Riders. We lose the CVMA. <laughs> I think we're losing. I don't know. If, I don't know if we're gaining Texas after this episode or losing no, it. I mean, it's very complimentary of Texas. Texas. I mean, I, <laughs> that no, sounds I mean, like a lot of compliments to Texas. So hopefully we get more Texas. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Texas, and Texas, Texas. I wasn't, I wasn't bashing the CVMA. I just want to make that point clear. <laughs> no, you just challenged him. Challenged I challenged him. him. I mean, you know, CVMA, CVMA is all military. <laughs> you know, they're all military. So, I mean, you had to learn FMs and TMs. You know, all your manuals in the military environment. Well, now you're in you're in the motorcycle environment. You know, I'm challenging you to learn the rules here. That's all I'm doing. Because I think that goes for anybody. Like, you know, I'm not 
you know, yes, uh, silence is the is the person that we have access to. We have other one percenters on the page that give their opinions too. But for a lot of people, if you want to be at that one percent level, here's here's you know some things to work on. Like here's here's this national officer challenging you to learn more, to expand your knowledge base, to to think about how you're doing things. And so I think, you know, that's something that's going to benefit anybody, whether they're in an association or an RC or they're a free agent or an independent or, or whatever. So I think that that's good shit. But I think, you know, maybe we can try for the next one, um, seeing if there's different questions out there and stuff like that. But like I said, I think we do a lot of, for, I mean, every episode we're bashing the military. So we got that <laughs> going for us. Yeah, I, then, think, I think that it'll, it, you know, because it's not for the guys that want to necessarily go to the 1% world, you know. It's not the guys that want to go to the outlaw club world. It's just for for those guys that want to live in this life and have positive interactions. Yes. Is yeah. really what, what it's about. Because we're going to see each other at Sturgis or, or Myrtle Beach or Bike Week, you know, or if anything happens in Wisconsin. Um, you know, but... <laughs> But Ice fishing. Ice you're, fishing. You're at bike events because because motorcycles is what you have in common. It may not be the same patch. It may not, you know, it may be a MA or a MC or a RC or a MM or whatever, you know, but you have motorcycles in common, so you're gonna see each other. So at least be cognizant and knowledgeable of the fucking rules to make these interactions with each other. Uh, more pleasant than what they could be had you not know the fucking rules. And I think too, like I think they get a lot of attention from us because not that I think I'm better than them, but we're all vets. I mean, almost I think everybody, but like two or three people on the page are vets. A lot of the people that interact on the page are vets. I don't want this to be a, and I'm sure you guys don't either, a, a grunt style page form where we just get on and we're like we're great because we're vets i want to hold you to a higher standard because you're a vet i want you to earn i want you to do more and earn more and be a better example because you're a vet and and on the same token i don't ever want this to be uh insane throttle type thing where all we're doing is talking about how much something or somebody sucks like there are so many great things here that outweigh the bad but we're not going to bury our heads in the sand about the bad, but I want to promote the shit that makes this awesome more than I want to be like, ah, the culture's dead and vets are fucking stupid. Like, I don't know. I, you know, as veterans, we just want to see people doing awesome shit and representing the community. Cause you represent your club or your association and you represent all of us as other veterans. Like, you know, people are going to remember like probably even more so than your club. They're going to be like, oh man, I met these veterans and they fucking, they sucked. Yeah, it was just you know, some veterans club. They don't remember what club it was. It was, but it was a veterans club. Yeah, you know, and and I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again now. I hold you to a higher standard because you are a veteran. You know, you yeah. fucking know better. You know better, and your whole time in the military, you excelled to be better. So why are you stopping now? Yeah. You know? And because you, because you got a DD two fourteen, it fucking stops. If it was truly instilled in you then, why is it not instilled in you now? Where the fuck did it go? Yeah. You know, just do Be better. better. It's, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, my standards are higher because you are a vet. Yeah. You know. So. Well, so I think it's a good good stopping point. 
I, I do too. That was that was actually a good couple of minutes there. Yeah. Um, but you know, Dad, thanks so much for coming on. Just so people know, he's not my biological father. He's he's my club daddy. But <laughs> he might be. But he's like my club world daddy. But he's old enough to be a dad. How old are you? I'm forty. You're a oh, lion. No, you're not. Bitch. <laughs> that, that is the most okay, shot so. out looking forty year old ever. If he's forty. <laughs> That motherfucker rough road uphill both ways in the snow. If that's forty, yeah. if you ever wanted this, if he's forty, that is like the most don't join the ranger regiment poster ever. <laughs> I know, right? Like, see, you can see that is like he hasn't shaved his head in a couple of days, so he's starting to get that shadow. But this motherfucker wants to give me shit for being bald. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? You got two goddamn cul-de-sacs on the side of your motherfucking hair. <laughs> God damn. So, anyways, hey, thank you for being I'm here. Join us on Facebook for that. <laughs> oh, no, not fa- hey, unfriend me on Instagram, not Facebook. Okay, that's serious. <laughs> well, look, I'm uh, I'm at home for the next uh, uh, what nine weeks? I think I got I got till June seventh. Um, I'm home. So, uh, so anytime y'all want me on the show, just fucking you know holler at me, shoot me a text or whatever, and and we'll roll with it. Yeah, absolutely, Dad. You know, we, we do appreciate your time, and I, I think we're, we're going to see a lot more of you on the show here, at least over the next nine weeks, you know what I'm saying? Um, and definitely taking advantage of the time that we can steal from you, because I know you're a busy man. You're a busy motherfucker. Yeah, I got some free time right now sitting in this fucking medical chair. Thank God. But, <laughs> but we, hope you, we hope you recover quickly, but not too quickly that we can't steal a couple more episodes out of you first, right? Ten four. Hell yeah. Well, we thank you for your time, Dad. Thank, thanks for, for setting this up, Andar. I completely fucking forgot that we did this uh, for a while. So thanks for, thanks for setting that up. You got one job. All right. One job. That's all you got. The got media one. guy. One job. I'm the media guy. I don't even write articles anymore. I just, <laughs> I just suck at everything now. But, uh, but yeah. So don't be weird. Drink water. And we'll catch you next week, guys.